0: Well, good morning, everybody. It is a good day to be here today. It is a good day, August 12th, probably. Um, Today's a big day for me. I want you to know that. Tomorrow marks one year of me being the full-time director of University Ministries. Um, Showing that you clap for it shows people did not think I would survive one year, but... I made it, I'm here, I'm not going anywhere. My wife and I love being a part of this church and this community. Uh, we're currently building a home. We're about a month away from moving into a new home uh, in the neighborhood, just about a mile away. We love being a part of this community uh, and are excited uh, about where God is leading this church and, and the role that, that we get to um, play in being a part of that. Um, other exciting things in the building department is we're also getting close to the uh, the Opening of the Palmer House, um, which is super exciting. You guys probably walk by this on the corner uh, and see it all the time. We're getting really excited in University Ministries to be able to take advantage of this space, uh, welcome new college students, and, and have them kind of see what life in Jesus looks like by gathering together here in this space. I actually took this photo myself on my iPhone 7 on Thursday. I know, it's old technology, but it still works. Um, I, you know, I love this building. I was thinking about it. We've watched this thing being built over the last couple years here. And when we get a finished product, it's really cool because the building has all this brand new state of the art technology. Some of the architecture in it uh, is is brand new and, and trendy right now. There's also part of it that's very classic and older that takes advantage of the original architecture of this building. It's this collision of two things. Even as we think about this house, we think about the collision of uh, what has come before and and, uh, remembering what Earl Palmer has done and what so many people have done to create a legacy and help build uh, the ministry in this neighborhood, as well as getting a vision for the future and where God is taking this church. It's that same attitude that leads us into our text today as we think about being a diverse group of people here in Seattle's U District. A collision of people coming from all kinds of different places and backgrounds and how God has given us an opportunity to be united within that diversity of thought and background. With that, I want to open up our, our text for today uh, coming from the book of Ephesians. Um, we're going to read out of Ephesians 4, verses 1 through 13 this morning. It's, it's quite a bit of text, but if you're able, I invite you to stand with me, okay, and we're going to read together. Our text this morning uh, can be found on page 951 of your pew Bible. Uh, Read with me if you want to, starting in chapter 4, verse 1. It says, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, beg you to
1: lead a life worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body in one spirit, just as you were called to the one hope of your calling. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of who who is above all, through all, and in all. But each of us was given grace according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it is said, when he ascended on high, he made captivity itself a captive. He gave gifts to his people. When it says he ascended, what does it mean that he had also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended, same one who ascended far above heaven, he might fill all things. The gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. So all this time be of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature to the measure of the full stature
0: of Christ. The word of the Lord. Be to God. You can go ahead and take a seat. Lord Jesus, help us out this morning, God, as we dive into your word. Would you open up our eyes and ears, God, to the way that your spirit is moving right here in this room? We love you, Jesus, and pray this in your name. Amen. All right, let me ask you guys a question today. Who knows what this is? Okay, this is like an audience participation thing. I need a little more. Feel free to shout it out. What is this? Okay, no, it's not. I know you think that. Okay, I know you think it's a pillow because it looks like a pillow, and it feels like a pillow, and it smells like a pillow, and everything about it would say that it is a pillow, but it is not. This is a throw pillow. Okay, <laughs> it is much different than a pillow. And I, and I first discovered this about seven years ago. This month is not only my one year anniversary of being the director with you men, it's also my seven year anniversary of being married. Um, so that's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, we had one person <laughs> clap for that. My wife, Rachel, is is back there. You can talk to her later about all kinds of wonderful things. Anyways, um, seven years ago, I discovered what a throw pillow was. Okay, someone gave us, for our wedding, a $100 gift card to Pottery Barn, which sounded like so much fun and so much money until I went to Pottery Barn. (laughs) And then I realized at Pottery Barn, you can only buy two things with a $100 gift card. One is a candle, okay, which we almost purchased, but the second was this throw pillow, marked right right at $100, just what we had. And we thought, you know what? We don't have anything very nice. Let's buy a really nice pillow. So we take it home, a couple weeks later, I'm on the couch, I got the pillow under my head, I'm taking a great nap, it's, you know, crinkled up, the button's about to come off. My wife comes home and goes, what are you doing? That pillow is not for sleeping on. I said, what are you talking about? It is a pillow. It is soft, it is comfortable, it is for napping. She said, that's not, that's a throw pillow. That is for looking at. It's cute, it has a button, it's getting kind of dirty, it's seven years old, but it's cute, it has a button. The function of the pillow is not for you to sleep on it, it's, it's to look at, and you're gonna ruin it if you sleep on it. Um, now, in her defense, I did have it really mashed up into a weird shape under my head. Also, not to define gender roles, this could be anybody, but for some of us, like myself, that had no idea what a throw pillow was, I learned a valuable lesson at that point, that the function of this was much different than the function that I had originally thought. Okay, it doesn't seem like that big a deal. But sometimes when we misunderstand the function of something, people can get hurt. Things can get hurt. And we don't necessarily live out to our fullest. That's the same attitude I want to take into our text today. Thank you. Protect that pillow. That's 100 $100. That's the same attitude I want to take into our text today as we talk about this idea of gifting and the way that God has uniquely gifted each of us. Okay, I know some of you, as we read the text, you read ahead, you saw a list of potential gifting that God has given at the end, and you immediately thought, Ooh, which am I? Which am I? Uh, trying to relate. Well, today we're not going to dig into specific gifting for each of us and kind of aligning with, with what that may be. In fact, come back next week. Lori Brenner is gonna dive deep into some texts that will help us discover more about who God has created us uniquely to be in these gifts he's given us. But today, before diving into that, I wanna ask a different question. I wanna ask why. Why has God chosen to give us gifting in our life? And what is the purpose of that gifting. And if we can understand what that purpose is, it helps us to more fully live out our own gifting in a community like this one. Make sense? That's what we're going to do today. That's where we're going. And we're going to dive back into the scripture in order to do it. So let's go ahead and put back up Ephesians 4, starting in verse 1. We're going to break down our text as we read through the beginning and the end section of it today. Starting in verse 1, uh, Paul says, I, therefore, the prisoner in the Lord, okay? This is really important at the start of Ephesians 4 to realize this, that, that Paul's saying, therefore, okay, what's coming before this? Well, it's three chapters. It's three full chapters in Ephesians that are all about finding our identity in Jesus, It's all good theology. It's understanding that the God that we serve is one of love and grace and mercy and and who, who gives us an identity that we can have in him before we do anything. Makes me nervous jumping right into Ephesians 4, talking about who we are and the gifting that God has put in us with the temptation to think it's more about what we do than what about God has done in us. We need to start understanding that there's nothing we can do to make him love us more, that he loves us such an incredible amount before we ever do anything with our life. But yet getting into Ephesians 4, we get to see that out of response to that love and that grace in our life, we now get to ask the question together, how then, how should we live in response to what Jesus has done in our life? And that comes next. We keep reading. It says, I, the prisoner of the Lord, beg you to lead a life worthy of the calling into which you have been called. Now, this call is so much greater than a profession or a job that we may have. It's even bigger than a specific gifting we may have that the calling for all of us is to be a part of this kingdom building to do something with our life, to give our life away to others and and, and be invited in by the creator of the universe to work alongside of him and co-create, helping to be a part of the way that the kingdom is built right here in this neighborhood and around the world. That's our call for all of us, okay? Um, How do we do that? Well, we keep reading, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. In the very beginning, that says, how do we start doing that? With, with humility. With humility is how we start to, to, to use the gifting and step into the calling that we have. And this is a really hard thing to do. Humility is something we want, but it's something that if we want, man, we need to be praying for it because it so goes against our nature. It pushes against two instincts that most of us have, probably all of us. One is, is, is the temptation to think that, that our gifting is better than others or that we know more than others. I, I don't know what, what the situation is or multiple situations where you see this play out in your life. I know I notice it every time I get behind the wheel of my car. I start driving and something happens in me. I thought I was a good Christian and then I just think I'm better than everybody on the road. Okay, and also, okay, I lived in California for five years. If there's this thing. In California, I feel like people use their horn as a communication tool. Okay, it's just meant to communicate with other people. But here in Seattle, I feel like if someone honks, everyone gets offended right away. And, and so, really, there's not much honking that happens here. And, well, that's a whole other story. But um, I start to think of myself as better than other people we, we look at different situations in our life where we think that the gifting God has given us puts us higher up than others. There's also what happens to a lot of us is that we compare ourselves to others and we see the great gifting that God has done in the work of others and we think of ourselves as less. We start to think that God has, has not created me uniquely and with purpose because I look at what God has done in you and I get, I get jealous, I compare myself even in, even in a Christian world, I see this happen a lot in my life in small groups. Okay, you ever get put in a, you're ever in a small group, maybe six to eight people, at the end of the small group, they say, okay, we're all gonna pray. Why doesn't everyone pray for the person on their right? Thinking, great, I'll just pray for the person on my right, person before you starts praying, and they start praying the most poetic prayer you've ever heard. Okay, it is beautiful. It is lengthy. They are casting out demons. They are praying like a blessing over this person. They're remembering things about their childhood. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is the greatest prayer I've ever heard. I can't even remember the person's name that I'm about to pray for. And now I'm like, Lord, I pray for the great person on my right. Um, All of a sudden we start to think, oh wow, I'm not as, as Christian as that person. I'm not as good as that person. I need to be more like them. I feel bad for the person that I'm praying for. They're not going to receive this blessing today. And this comparison takes us away from our gifting. In fact, comparison is one of the first things that will take us out of our calling. Hmm,
1: Man, it's hard not to play the comparison game.
0: But when we learn that we have different gifts and that God gives us grace for whoever we are and wherever we are at it means I don't have to compare myself to you or try to be me. It frees me up, it frees me up to be me. That's humility: not thinking more highly of ourselves, not thinking more lowly of ourselves. It's not thinking of ourselves and using our gifts to raise up other people, to serve other people, and build up others and build up the church. That's what takes us into verse eleven. Okay, we're going to skip over the middle section of this text. We're going to jump right to 11 where it says, the gifts he gave were that some would be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Why? Building up the body of Christ until all of us come to the unity of of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to maturity, to the measure of the full stature of Christ. What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the gifting that we've been given? Building up the church in unity so that others will know the fullness of Christ. How can people know the fullness of Christ if we are not united Now, I know we're different people. I love the diversity of thought and background of people in this church. And we have an opportunity to be united within that diversity. See, this calling, this calling for all of us is to share hope in Jesus Christ. Okay? It's something that should unite us, but in the world we live in, we think that that should be played out in different ways. And because we have different ideas of of how that should look, it can be something that easily divides us. We're divided on a lot of things, socially, politically, economically. We live in a world right now where people are not trying to listen, not trying to listen and get to know people around them and why they think the way that they are. People are trying to surround themselves just with people who already think like them and dehumanize those that don't think like us. It's one of the worst things we can do. We open up the Bible, we realize this is not new. This is not new. This is not the first year that people in the church have voted differently. Okay, it's not the first year where people had different ideas about the way that our government should spend its money. It's not the first year that people had different ideas about how to live out our faith, about what's blessed by God, about what's considered holy. This is not the first year that we've had different ideas about the way that the kingdom of God should be lived out. For thousands of years, the devil has been pushing back on the kingdom of God, trying to divide us, trying to isolate us, trying to get us against each other. In fear that we won't be heard, that our side of an issue will be underrepresented, we forget our calling first to share the hope of Jesus Christ. But can you imagine a better opportunity than what we have right here in this neighborhood, in Seattle's U District? See, some churches don't have this opportunity. They're not blessed with the collision of culture and people all in one body. And I'll be honest, sometimes the temptation for me is just to want to surround myself with people that, that think like me, that worship God like me. Wouldn't church be easier? Church would be a lot easier if we all agree this is, the, this is our style, this style of worship, this is our style of music. We would always feel like they were preaching just to us. It's one of the reasons why I like speaking at the end on Tuesday nights to college students because everybody is really in the same place in life. Everybody's in college going through relatively similar things. It's a little easier. But in a church like this, preaching to a multi-generational congregation that is embracing becoming the multi-ethnic family of God... Right here in this neighborhood, a neighborhood that is rich and is poor, is Asian, is Latino, is Middle Eastern, black, white, Polynesian, and representation from all over the world right here in this neighborhood. That's hard to do. For some of us, it challenges our comfort zone and what we're used to. And if the mission was only about what happened inside of this church, if we existed only for each other, then we might as well just try to get as comfortable as we can. That would probably be our goal. You know, the same thing that Pastor Aaron said last week, that if our goal is just to stay in the huddle the whole game, then why don't we just make the huddle as comfortable as we can? Man, I'm just going to get people just like me that think just like me. That's the people I want in my huddle. It'll be really comfortable. But if our mission as a body of Christ in Seattle's university district is to share the hope of Jesus Christ with our brothers and our sisters, then we need to embrace the new thing that God is doing right here in this community. It may challenge our comfort, but there's no way we can live out our calling if we stay where it's comfortable. We have the blessing of different ages, lifestyles, thoughts. It can be a strength if we become united and show the world that different people can love each other well and move out in the world together. I get to see this. I get to see people living out their gifts in different ways all the time. It's one of the blessings of working with college students. At first I thought, oh, I just work with college students. But then I watched the blessings of the gifts of this congregation play out. I've had many people say, I want to come lead a small group. I want to mentor a student or one of your staff. I want to give up a home for you to come do a a staff retreat in our home. I want to host an intern for a year in our space that we have. Small plug, by the way, we are one host family short for this coming fall. If you are thinking about it, or maybe there's even a slight little bit in your mind, like, wow, I should really host an intern This year, that might be the spirit of God speaking to you this morning. Come come talk to me afterward. But I watch, I get to watch people be united in the different gifting and ability that they have here as a part of this congregation. See, unity is something that can really only be done with the help of the spirit in our life. Otherwise, it's just done as long as it's self-serving, as long as it helps us get what we want. But with the spirit of Jesus Christ, we have an opportunity to do something greater, to be greater together. We can actually be unified within the diversity that we have. We can be unified, selflessly, humbling ourselves and using our gifts to build up others and to build up the church. And it can be beautiful. will show you a great example. Okay, uh, A great example in this community is Camp Side by Side. Were any people here down at Camp Side by Side this last week? Oh, yes. (laughs) Give it up for these people, okay. Thank you guys. Thank you for serving. Okay, I was not there. I'm not trying to take credit like I was there. But last week at church, we got to see a video of JJ down at camp with 150 different volunteers that were serving at camp. 150 volunteers. That's how many people it takes to put on this week where kids with with serious illness and their families get to experience the greatest week of their life. It takes a lot of people doing different things and playing their role. You had people up front on stage being funny and entertaining. You had buddies that came alongside the kids and worked one-on-one with the same kid all week long. You had a lot of people serving behind the scenes, in the kitchen, doing dishes, preparing food, serving tables... You had people working in arts and crafts and and watching small kids so that families could be free to experience other things. Everybody played their role so beautifully within this large group of volunteers. But how easy is it? How easy is it whenever we have a specific role to look at what others are doing and go, man, I want to do that? Man, it's so easy. I'm, I'm, I'm hanging out in the kitchen. I'm serving in the kitchen, but... You know what? I see the people up on stage. I want to do that. I want to, I want to be funny. I want people to see me and think that I'm funny you know, or, or, uh, you know, helping arts and crafts, but I I see this other person that's a buddy for a kid and they're one-on-one with them all week. and, And I want that because I want that person at the end of the week to stand up and say that Mike made an impact in my life. That's what I want. It's so easy to take something that's so good and now use it for selfish motivation. And all it takes is us starting to look at our role and say, it's gonna be about me. And it's more about me getting what I want, being comfortable or being glorified for this camp not to work. It takes 150 people selflessly serving to give these kids and their families the greatest week. It's something beautiful. That's the same type of opportunity we have right here in this community. This community is no different. It takes you and me selflessly identifying who has God made me to be. How can I give myself away for the building up of others and the building up of his kingdom? I might look different than you. I might think different than you. I might like different things. I might connect to God through a different way than you. That's our beauty. That's our diversity. Don't think that it's all about us, but also... Don't think that your gifting isn't needed here. I love the way that these last three verses are translated in the message version. I want to read them. Eugene Peterson translates verses 11 through 13 in this way. He says, he handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church. Moving rhythmically together. What a beautiful picture it can be when we all bring whoever God has made us to this community to raise others up and be a part of building a community. That is our purpose. That's why we've been given gifts. That's the church I think we can be. Let me pray for us. Lord Jesus, God, I thank you for the way that you have created us uniquely in your image that because we're different does not mean that we are not created with an identity in you and that you have not done great, great things in us, giving us the opportunity to live those out. God, would you help us to be united here in this neighborhood and move out into the world, loving others and serving you. We pray all this in your name.
1: Amen.